Father, we thank you that you are our strength, you are our power, that your love, your power is made perfect in our weakness. God, would you help us to look to you this morning, help us to lean into you, to give our weaknesses over to you. God, would you be our strength and our hope and our peace. Thank you for it, Lord. In your name I pray, amen. to you, Providence. It is great to see you. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a joy to be able to teach today. Uh, If you're a guest with us this morning, we want to say a special welcome to you as well. I want to encourage you. um, God has been doing some amazing things in and through Providence, and we are rejoicing in that uh, even today. Um, We uh, have been able to help a lot of people within our own church, uh, as well as in our city, uh, and God's uh, really encouraged a lot of people. And so if you uh, have a need still, maybe, that um, you um, need help with, or if you want to meet a need, or even if you want to be able to to give in order to meet a need, we want to encourage you to go to um, pray.org. And at the uh, website, our home website there, you will be able to um, see certain boxes to be able to uh, fill out some, some information. We could get your name. Uh, we could try to help you out, match you up to help someone out, maybe deliver some, some food or something, uh, or even give to do that, okay? So thank you so, so much for checking that out. Let me pray for us, and we're going to get started. Father in heaven, we are grateful for your grace. We are grateful for your mercy. We pray now that you would teach us through your word. And so we commit this time to you now, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it was 42 years ago that my dad was in a really bad accident where he was caught between two trucks, crushed one leg and broke the other leg. He was a follower of Christ, um, and yet God wanted to use that crisis to get his attention. And he got it for sure because he was on his back for a long time recovering from that. But through that time, he ended up selling the home, selling a small carpentry business that he had, went to seminary at 36 years old, and he's just retired about a month ago from pastoring for 42 years. And there was a deep peace I saw in my dad, even in the moment of that crisis, and I see that same peace in my dad when he's facing now sickness. Tomorrow, he will go in to have cancer removed from his bladder for the second time, and yet there's a deep trust and a deep peace that my dad has, and I know it's because of his relationship with Christ. Listen, sickness is everywhere The COVID-19 has brought to mind the reality of sickness and death. Thousands upon thousands in the U.S. have died. Globally, thousands have died. And so the question comes, is there peace to be found in sickness? 
Well, we believe it is. We believe it has everything to do with faith in Christ. So I want to invite you to take your Bibles and open to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. And we're going to read verses 40 through 56. And so let me read this text and you read along with me. The Bible says this, now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him. For there, for they were all waiting for him. And, and there's a man whose name was Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue and falling at the feet of Jesus, he employed him to come to his house. For he had, had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, no, look, someone touched me. For I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once. And he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Wow, what a text. I want to show you this morning three truths about Jesus and how you and how I can find peace in the midst of sickness. Notice the first truth. It's to look to Jesus who commands our attention. Look to Jesus who commands our attention. Listen, <clears throat> Jesus is on the move. He has just calmed a storm and he has just cast out demons and he is moving and every news station, if there were any, were there following 
this man. Jesus is on the moon, the, 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 the move, the crowds are growing and miracles are happening and, and we're introduced in our text to two specific people, very different people. You have one, right? You have one who is a ruler in the synagogue. He has status, in other words, right? This man, he has a name. His name is Jairus. He, he, he's a ruler in the synagogue where he would be planning all the events of the week. He would be um, watching over the facility. He, he would be a key leader. He would be recognized by everyone. And by his name, they would know who he was. He, he was a, a righteous man, probably trusting in some of the law. He was probably a moral, upright man. And yet, this religious system that he found himself in could not give him peace as he faced one of the greatest crises probably in his life. His 12-year-old daughter is dying. So we meet this, <clears throat> this religious leader. He's got status. Well, then we meet this, this woman who's suffering. Notice in the text, all throughout the text, she's not even given a name. She's, she's been bleeding for many years. According to the law, the Levitical law of the Old Testament, she's a Jewish woman in that culture. Because of this element that she has, she is considered an outcast. She's considered unclean. And she's, she's suffering. She's, think about this. <clears throat> this morning, she's never been touched. She's, she can't touch anyone. And she's making her way through the crowd because she's heard of a man who can bring healing. She, she's poor. She's, she's spent everything she's had on physicians. And she can't be made well. Listen, you think, you think this six feet away distancing that we're in right now is bad, right? I don't know to say hey, an elbow bump, or what, what to do, right? We're, we're, we're all in this, in this situation we find ourselves in, and, and then sometimes if, <clears throat> if you have symptoms, you go into being quarantined for 14 days, right? She's been quarantined for 12 years. Nobody wants anything to do with her. She's rejected. He's respected, and she's rejected. And, and the ruler's only daughter of 12 years old is dying, and she, interesting the text says, has been bleeding and suffering for 12 years. You've got, you've got maybe 12 years of joy in a home with a child seemingly coming to an end, and you've got 12 years of suffering seemingly never ending. This is where we find ourselves in the text. See, <clears throat> there's no righteousness that's so great that it exceeds the need of Jesus. And there's no unrighteousness that's so bad that's outside the reach of Jesus. These are the people we see. Status and suffering. And listen, status will serve you for a season, 
But at some point in time, something's going to summons your attention even more. In this case, it's the sickness and impending death of his daughter. And suffering can keep you in isolation and breed fear for a season. But listen, the Savior summons you this morning to come. There's strength, there's promises, there's hope. Jesus, listen, is getting their attention. No sickness is too great for Christ and no status is too glorious for him to not help. He's on the move. He's getting their attention. He is the miracle worker. And I ask you this, is God getting your attention in this global pandemic? I mean, what's commanding your attention? I mean, are you consumed with the news or Instagram or Facebook or binge watching Netflix? I mean, what is it? Right? I believe, and we as a pastoral staff at our church believe theologically that God is sovereign over this pandemic and he's awakening people to the reality of sickness and death. Listen, don't run to a religious system and don't remain in isolation. Run to Christ, hope in God. They both, listen, the crowds are, are just all around him and they could care less what people thought. They come publicly. You've got this man of this status. You don't do this if you're a man of this type of status. You don't fall at the feet of Messiah in public. <clears throat> and he fell to his knees, a respected man in the city. He fell to his knees. She fell to his knees. Listen, have you ever, have you ever fallen on your knees before God, in your home, no one looking, and we're desperate for Christ? Oh, listen. Isaiah 51, verse 4 and 6, God says, pay attention to me. The earth the earth will wear out like a garment and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever. My salvation will be forever. Look to Jesus who commands our attention. Notice secondly in the text, verses 44 to 48, it's to listen to Jesus this is the first time he speaks in the story. Listen to Jesus who cleanses us from our sin. Oh, how do you find peace? Oh, you look and you listen to Jesus who cleanses us from our sin. Oh, listen, her, her bleeding in this Jewish culture. She was an outcast and Jesus is coming right to her and he's walking and he's looking to, to bring healing and to bring hope to many. He's not looking at doing miracles so he could put a medical plaque up in his office. And this woman comes in desperation, right? Working her way through the crowd, trying to get close as she could to Christ. Oh, listen, she, she is not just a fan of Jesus, or so many people are, where they participate in this 
in the seatings and, and they, they watch, but they never participate in, the, in worship at all. They never participate, right, in the mission that God has given his people. No, she comes and she falls at his feet, desperate for him, looking to him, leaning in one sense to him, right? This is what trust looks like. Trust and faith is, is not a fan who watches, it's a follower who participates, right? I remember this years ago. God just whispered this to me. I was whitewater rafting up the upper godly um, up in West Virginia. It's, it's an intense, it's only open for like 30 days of the year when they release the dam. I want to show you a picture of them releasing the dam. When I walked down and, and, and it was getting, this is the first time I'd ever whitewater raft. And, and of course, my buddies who I go with, they say, let's take the high adventure raft, the six man raft. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And as we go down, this, this jet stream of water is, is flowing. It sounded like an F-14, right? And you immediately put into a class four. And then there's class fives uh, on this particular river. And, and we were on there and we meet this guy. He's our guide, right? And he's in the very back and he's got the paddle here. And then there's three and three. And I'm up front. I'm locked in, locked in hard because I'm like, like you have to sign things because they go, man, this is how many people died doing this last year. <laughs> like, really? You're going to tell us that? And, and so I'm signing these things. And as we're heading down, right, he, he, you start off, it's like on a lake with, with nothing. I'm like, man, I got this. This is good. And he goes, now listen, we're going to come up on some serious class four and five rapids. And you need to listen to me. When I say right side, paddle forward, forward, right side, forward, you listen. And when I say left side, back, left side, back, right, you listen. And I sort of like, yeah, I got you, man. And we went around the corner. <laughs> and oh my, class four, class five rapids become, right? Don't fall out here. Someone died at that rock last year. Thank you again, sir. Great, grateful for your encouragement to me during this time, right? And so as we began to, to paddle, right, I found myself, I found myself listening intently to everything he said. Matter of fact, I was anticipating listening to everything he would say. One time, our boat goes over a class four rapid, and the high adventure boat, which I do not recommend, is, is, goes, and, and instead of it, it folding like this, right, it, it folds like this, it bends like this over the rapid, and it pops back. Well, as it pops back, it throws the guide 10 feet in the air, where I'm nervous because I don't hear him for about three seconds. And so I turn around behind me and I look and he's gone. And I'm thinking, I'm going to be gone too. And about two seconds later, he lands on top of my head. Where the rapid had propelled him 10 feet in the air forward. And he landed and he goes, isn't this awesome? I'm like, no, give me some instructions. What do I do? 
Oh, listen, I didn't question anything he told me. Are you questioning God? Are you listening to God? Are you listening? Oh, he's trying to get our attention. He has spoken through his word. Feel the tension in the text. Jesus says specifically, who touched me? Who did it? Of course, Peter, like, come on, man. There's a big crowd around you. He goes, no, no, no. I felt power leave me. Oh, listen. The tension in the text in this moment, he feels power leaving. She touched his garment, not his body. He knew, he knew who had touched him, but he asked, he says, who, who did it? He knows he's the sovereign one. And what he's doing in that moment, he's inviting her to not stay in spiritual isolation, but to come. And notice the text. The text actually says in verses 46 and 47 that she comes and she tells why she touched him and how it happened that she was healed. She comes. This is Christ, listen, if he has touched your heart, he wants you to not stay in spiritual isolation, but to tell someone, to go public in a sense. Now, listen, I know pancakes are flying right now. The kids are bouncing off the couch. Lean in just a few more minutes. Now watch this. Watch what happens. She's getting ready to be exposed before God. She's getting ready to be exposed of her uncleanliness. I mean, the crowds hush at this moment. They back up. She makes her way forward. And the first words she hears. Daughter. Do you see the text? Do you see the text? He calls her daughter. No family would have ever taken her in. No family would ever want to touch her. And Jesus comes, right, and calls her daughter. One dad pleading for his daughter and an outcast becoming a daughter of God. Oh, the preciousness of this moment. He says, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. It's a word that literally means you have been saved. And I believe in this very moment, both her body was healed and her heart was saved. Her heart was healed. She was reconciled to God. And I love it. Think about this. 12 years of this, this menstrual cycle, right? This is what it is. And she, she, this is real life. And she can't, all her money she spent, all of it on physicians, they can't find anything. 
And the text says, you see the word? Do you see the word? The text says, immediately. See, this is what forgiveness is like. This is what's being cleansed by God is like. When he says you're forgiven, you are forgiven. It's immediate. You don't, you don't put a Band-Aid on something and then go to rehab for a while. No, you're immediately forgiven. This is the power of the gospel. The gospel is this, right? You and I were unclean. You and I were outcasts because of our sin against a holy God. And he set his love on us even while we were enemies. Now, here's what's fascinating about the text, right? Notice this. Notice this. He doesn't touch her. She touches him. Now, what's going on in this, right? Because we have seen so many pictures lately of doctors and patients, right? You've seen ones like this picture. You've seen the doctors are completely covered, right? And they're taking temperatures of patients and they're trying to help patients. And listen, let's, let's just say this right now. Let's just applaud all of our frontline workers in the hospitals around the world. They're doing amazing things. But what's so fascinating is those that are well, right, are getting completely covered to engage with those that are sick. Right? And, and the, and the, the, the t- struggles in these moments, right, are if they're not covered completely, right, that the person who's sick will make the person who's well sick. It's not the other way around. It's not the person who is well, right, that's going just because they're in contact with someone who's sick makes that sick person well. That's not what happens. But this is what happens in the text. Because even ceremonially, right, if, if an unclean, outcast person touches someone who, who is, is clean, it makes that person unclean. But not here. You know what's going on here? I'll tell you what's going on here. This is the doctrine of substitution. It's the substitution atonement of Christ. This is the picture of it, right? This is the picture. Those who are sick are coming to those who are well, and they're not making the person that's well sick. The person that's well is making the person who's sick well. And this is 2 Corinthians 5, where it says, for our sake, he, Jesus, right? God, God made him, Jesus, to be, right, sin, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. For for our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him, in him, we might become the righteousness of God. The righteousness that's required, oh my, listen, the righteousness that's required to enter heaven when you take your last breath, is given when you place your faith in Jesus Christ. It's a sweet substitution, right? Christ in our place. This is mercy. This is grace. She doesn't have a name in the story, and she's called, right, the daughter of God. She's got a place in the family of God. Now, oh, look, Luke Luke, he's wanting us to see that miracles of physical healing are pointing our eyes to the miracle worker, not the miracle itself. This is why in Mark chapter two, you've got some buddies who, who have a, a, a friend. He's a paralytic, right? He can't, he can't walk. He can't walk for years. And, and they take him 
And, and this, this portrait shows it, this picture of them lowering him, taking him and lowering him down into the presence of Jesus. They can't get through the door. The house is so packed that they can't get inside the house. And as, as they're trying to, they want to get this man who cannot walk, a paralytic, to, to, through the roof. They tear the roof off, lower him down. And the first words that Jesus says, the first words that Jesus says is, your sins are forgiven. And you're thinking, what? I can't walk for years. My greatest need is to walk. And what Jesus does in that moment is, no, your greatest need is not a physical sickness. It's a spiritual sickness. And then Jesus says, now take your mat, get up and walk. And you're like, really? Why do you do it in that order? Well, he did it in that order to show the significance and importance of being spiritually healed first. But then he did it, I believe, because he wanted to show that he had the power to do the miracle that can't be seen by doing the miracle that can be seen. When he says, your sins are forgiven, you can't see that in a, a physical, tangible way. But you can see a man who hadn't been able to walk for years get up, not have to go to rehab and, and strengthen the muscles. No, he just started walking. This is what Christ does. He forgives our sin. He cleanses our sin. Psalm 103 says this, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Have you, listen, have you, have you been cleansed of your sin? Have, have you experienced the peace of God? That, that come, do you, do you, are you, are you, held down like an anchor in the heart with guilt and shame and sin and addiction. Listen, he's got the power to break you free of that. And so we encourage you this morning to fall on your knees maybe and trust Christ. Give your life to him. Admit that you need him, that there is sin. Believe on him and commit your life to him. We want to encourage you. Listen, we've encouraged you to text PBC1 to 313 We want to encourage you to text this number if you want to trust Christ or if you have trusted Christ today. If you have fallen on your knees and you've placed your faith and trust in him and said, I, I am overwhelmed with life and my sin. I want to be rescued. He'll do it. He will do it. We will follow up with you. We will encourage you. And so please text that. Last is this. Last is this. Lean. Listen, you want to find peace? How do you find it? Lean on Jesus who conquers our greatest sickness, death itself. Lean on Jesus, right? He conquers death, the greatest of all sickness. The text is fascinating, right? Now, here's what happens, right? He, he has this encounter with this lady. Then some of the ruler's family and friends come and say, man, dude, you, you took time with somebody that you could have come back and dealt with, and now his daughter's dead. I mean, I'm sure Jairus at this point is, is angry, is all kinds of emotions, but Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He wasn't late at all. He knew exactly what he was doing. And he even says in verse 50, look, believe. Keep having faith and believe. And look, and he says, and she will be made well. Let me just say this really fast. I don't have much time to deal with this, but this is not a proof text for pastors to say, if you are sick, you aren't believing enough. 
right? A hundred percent of the people Jesus healed in the Bible eventually died. No, he's, he's demonstrating his glory. It's about Jesus. It's not about any miracle. It's about him and who, who he is and, and what he does. And so he shows up in verse, verse 52 and he treats this, this death like an afternoon nap. He says, oh, she's asleep. And they start mocking him. No, no, she, she, she was dead. She was dead because, because when he told her to get up, this text says that her spirit returned. This isn't CPR. This isn't her breath returning. Her spirit returned. He doesn't resuscitate. He resurrects. This is what Jesus does. But he knew that the wages of sin was death. This is why he had to die on a cross for us. The means, the means of death is numerous. Different means of death. But, but, but the wages, the reason we all, that the death sentence is on humanity is because of our sin against the holy God. He's just to do that. He's a righteous God that we follow. And yet he's a loving God because he didn't leave us in that state. He sent his son Christ to come. And this is a foretaste of his resurrection. She would get up because he would eventually get up. No, this is a foretaste of resurrection power. This is what he's doing. And it's fascinating, right? He, he, he says, simply arise. He says, he says get up and, and ask this. Look, look, I say get up to my teenager kids, right? And they're alive. And they don't listen. <laughs> She's dead. And he uses these simple words. Arise. He has the power to uphold the universe by his word. He has the power over death. Oh, listen. Listen, in our day and time, it's the smell of death is everywhere right now. Right? And let it be like a smelling salt to the nostrils of your heart, right? Because in Christ, in Christ, death will not sting you like a knockout will in some sports. And you need the smelling salt to get you alert. This is what God's doing. He's right. Like death is everywhere. Let it be a, a smelling salt to your heart to say and ask the questions. Why am I here? What is he doing? What does he want from me? Right? Ask these. This is the time to wake up. Listen, he conquers, he conquers death in his death. And this is why Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 15, 55. He says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? You know what Paul's doing in that moment? Listen, I'll tell you what he's doing. He, he is taunting, he is trash-talking death, right? When I was in the gym, right, the first time I met our missions pastor, Big Phil, you know Big, Big Phil, we met in a gym playing basketball, and he'd dunk on somebody and trash-talk them, right? I would shoot a three on somebody and trash-talk them. We, we trash-talk at five o'clock pickup games at the YMCA. Paul, Paul is trash-talking, taunting Death. Listen, because he knew death is just the exit door of this world and the entrance door into the presence of God. Because of the resurrection power, right, of Jesus, 
overcoming death. The psalmist, the psalmist would write this, and this is what's read at just about every funeral, right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. The shadow of death. See, listen, in Christ, death is a blow, but it feels more like a shadow hitting you rather than the object that makes the shadow. I mean, you think about this plane flying over you, right? If this, if this plane is flying over you and the shadow hits you, it's dark, but it doesn't hurt. But if the plane hits you, it's gonna hurt. And the reason why death is a shadow is because Jesus ultimately took the blow of God's wrath upon himself on the cross. And now death, for the believer, for those who are in Christ, it's a mere shadow. It's a dark time. We're not downplaying it. But for those in Christ, we have hope. For one of our elders, Bob Austin, who passed just a few weeks ago, served this church so faithfully, his family around him, he had a disease. God didn't heal him in that way, but he did heal him ultimately. He gave him a resurrected body. One day he's going to. And he passed from this life into that life. And they sang hymns and read scripture around him when he took his last breath. And it hurt and it was hard, but it was a shadow. Because for Bob, he had trusted in Jesus. And Jesus had taken that blow upon himself for him. Oh, listen, listen. For the Christian facing death, there's so much hope that this text has. Did you, do you see that the, that the first person... The first voice she heard, the first touch she felt, the first sight she saw was Jesus. Is that not a foretaste for you and I and those who are in Christ when we take our last breath? Oh, listen, listen, let's, let's trust Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's trust him for the forgiveness of our sin. And let's, let's trust him to give us peace even in the midst of sickness and death. And let's tell everyone Let's tell everyone about this Christ, about this Jesus who forgives and conquers even death. He's the king of all things. We're going to prepare our hearts. I'm going to pray for us here, and then we're going to, I'm going to move over, and we're going, to, we're going to take the Lord's Supper and just remember his death and what was accomplished in that. So let me, let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you that you are king over demons and the devil. You are king over diseases and you are king, God, over death itself. And God, we are in awe of you and all that you have accomplished and all that you are accomplishing and all that you will eventually accomplish. So God, thank you for the opportunity to be able to look at this text learn from this text and lean into this text. And we commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Providence family and those that have joined us that are followers of Christ, as Brian mentioned earlier in the video, uh, we have the opportunity now to take the Lord's Supper. And this is a time where we are simply remembering all that Christ has done. We are looking back at his life and death and burial, resurrection, and we are celebrating his Life. It was broken for us. His blood was spilt for us. And, and it's a, it was the time of the Passover where they were actually celebrating the Passover where the death angel had passed over all the doors that had blood on them when God 
just released and helped those that were in captivity there in Egypt when they came out of that bondage. It's such a picture of you and I coming out of the bondage of sin. It's such a, 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 an incredible portrait of, of, of Jesus and, and his deliverance. And this is what he does. It, they're celebrating this, this incredible supper. And Jesus says, this Passover meal is actually pointing to me because I'm the Passover lamb. And he said, my body's gonna be broken on a cross and my blood's gonna be spilled. And then it's gonna be buried. And I'm gonna rise on the third day to validate I'm the final sacrifice. I am the miracle worker and the way maker. I am the one that if you put your trust in me, your sins are forgiven, you're still gonna physically die one day. But an eternity separated in hell will not be your path. It'll be with Jesus in heaven forever. So I encourage you, if there's some sin in your heart, to just take a moment to reflect and, and repent. He says, come to the table with a clean heart. And if you're not a believer and you're watching, we are so grateful you're watching. We are so thankful that you've joined us. But we're just asked not to participate in this moment, but you can observe and allow this moment to speak to your heart of all that Christ has done. And when he did that, he gave thanks. So I'm just gonna give thanks for this meal. Father, thank you for this bread and this cup. Thank you for this meal, for it does proclaim your life and death until you return. And it does help us to remember in a very tangible way all that you accomplished that we could not accomplish. Thank you for taking the blow of God's wrath upon yourself and giving us a way to know you, to be known by you, to have hope and peace in such a time as this. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So I'd encourage you just to take a piece of, of bread, a cracker in the house, and just take and eat in remembrance of him, of all that he's accomplished. And in the same way, he said, Man, this is my blood, this is spilt for you. And so take the cup and drink with great, great joy knowing that his blood spilt for us gives forgiveness of sin and hope of eternal life. Drink with joy. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for this day, for this word, for this meal. Thank you, God. We love you. We love you, God. We lean into you. We fall before you, acknowledging that you are the Holy One. We love you so much. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. 
Touching him. 